I got the best view, man. I can see the snow coming down. Well, not that you guys aren't good to look at. Maybe maybe retract that remark. But it's just, you know, it's coming down out of there. It's looking great. You know, I'll let you know if it gets too heavy. I'll try not to go too long. I've already had a request. <laughs> just kidding. Well, I did, but it was in. Um, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passing on, passed on through godly lives. That's the, the verse from a song called Find Us Faithful. Back in 1988, Steve Green wrote that song. At least sang it. I'm not sure if he wrote it. But the lyrics of that song challenge us to live lives that are faithful um, and to do it uh, following in the footsteps of those who've been faithful before us, but also to leave behind um, an example of faithfulness to those who come and follow us, the next generation. And I really believe that uh, what Paul intended here in this next section, um, in the words that we're going to about to read here, is just a challenge. He shares his own challenge in being faithful, and I think in so sharing his challenges, we can receive the same. Um, we could say, we could use kind of maybe an excuse that, well, he was an apostle, uh, or I'm not a pastor or a minister, but of the things that he was doing uh, were, were basically um, trying to just advance the gospel, God calls us all to do right where we live, work, and play, uh, you might say. And so uh, it's not a stretch to say we can take his words, the challenges he experienced, and lay them on our lives as a challenge. So uh, let's pray together one more time and just ask for God's help as we look at this passage. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for the example that we see in your word of the Apostle Paul. Went through so much, imprisoned a number of times, uh, for being associated with Jesus and preaching the gospel of Jesus and suffered much at the hands of others uh, for uh, the sake of the Lord Jesus and for the sake of the church, for those whom he was ministering to, for his friends, his fellow believers. And so, Lord, we just uh, pray that you would help us glean from this passage today uh, what we might uh, apply to our lives. As Christ followers, Lord, we don't want to forget this morning um, those of us that are really struggling um, physically, who are sick, ill, uh, with disease and other troubles, God, um, we just pray for them. We pray for the folks in our church uh, family that are sick, and we just pray for your hand to be upon their lives, and that your presence would be made known to them in a special way that they would know they're not alone, and that they would know you are with them. Thank you for the promise when you said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And Lord, we just pray again, you, you would heal them, bless them, and, and maybe even those, I, I know a number of people that just, you know, as we read and see on the news, and maybe even know just personally, people who are really struggling uh, with their mental health right now. Very challenging time to live in, 
stresses, um, kids in school and battling, you know, illness there and being careful and just so many things going on, Lord. I just pray that they would know your helping hand and radically rely on your sustaining grace. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're able, why don't you go ahead and stand with me. Uh, We're going to read this passage here, Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, and we're going to read through chapter 2, verse 5. And our title today is Well Done, and we'll get to that at the end here. So take a look here. Let's read aloud together. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom we are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your order in the firmness of your faith in Christ. This is the Word of God. Please have a seat. Before we kind of get into the outline that I've got, I just want to mention, you see a lot of words mentioned there about mystery and, uh, and just um, in how there's also talk of wisdom, right? And you got, we need to realize that, um, that you know, Paul is addressing a problem of some false teaching that was going on, and this teaching was basically saying there's a higher wisdom that you need. As, you know, okay, Jesus is okay. But he's really not all it. Um, and, and so there's a higher wisdom you need to seek. And so Paul's right here saying, no, uh, Jesus Christ is all the wisdom you need. And he has all the wisdom. Um, we saw last week just how this high uh, Christology, you might say, this, this who Jesus is, you know, the creator and sustainer of the universe and all of that. And so you can see he's, he's lifting Jesus high because he needs to combat this false teaching that's going around uh, that Jesus is lesser than what um, he really is. And so that's what this, this mystery also that was mentioned uh, there in chapter 2, it, part of it is the fact that the Gentiles would be included in God's family, people that were not born uh, of Jewish heritage, and that there would be one people, right? Uh, one people of God, just anyone who would put their faith in Jesus would be um, have the mark of spiritual circumcision, 
circumcision of their heart, as it tells us in the Bible. And so, uh, when you read the book of Ephesians, too, you see this language of this, this, this barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles being brought down uh, uh, by Jesus Christ, and that it's one people. And so, um, I, I just wanted to get to that because I, I'm not focusing, focusing a ton on the message today about that, but that language of mystery and, and of wisdom is Paul kind of weaving in here um, the importance of Jesus. Um, all right, so the outline I've got this morning here is it talks about, you know, really uh, being a faithful follower involves three things suffering, struggling, and strengthening. Um, suffering, struggling, and strengthening. And uh, I believe if we get hold of what Paul's saying here, um, we will be able to, by the grace of God, be able to hear our Lord Jesus say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Okay? Let's take a look at this first part of the outline here. Being a faithful follower of Jesus involves suffering. Now, that's not an exciting thing to talk about. Doesn't sell a lot of books writing on suffering, okay? Um, and uh, and we're talking about suffering for your faith. You know, by the by the mere fact that you're identified as a Jesus follower, suffering in some way um, because of that identification. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Um, and and certainly, um, you know, missionaries around the globe experience physical suffering because of their identification with Jesus, if they happen to be in some more hostile countries or areas. Um, I was uh, got a, an email from um, a couple that I know that who are also in Nepal. I, I know we've, we've talked about the caters before, but this couple's in Nepal. And, and I get pictures, they share pictures by email. They don't put them out there really anywhere else. Um, but, but just just asking for prayer because you know some laws uh, are, are getting changed or have been changed that really kind of poo-poo the idea of trying to convert people uh, to try to help them come over to understand the, the reality of Jesus and receive Him. And so you know, as you can imagine, uh, that makes it challenging when you're trying to spread the gospel, right? And certainly, so so just using that as an example of you know that's. Uh, a type of persecution that goes on uh, when you're identified with Jesus. And Paul was in prison, right? This is one of the prison letters, as it's called. And so, um, and, and so just to remind you what he said in verse 24 of chapter 1 of Colossians, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. That just seems whacked out. I mean, to a human, with human lenses and fleshly eyes and, and thinking, it's like, you know, who in their right mind would say, I'm rejoicing in my sufferings? Um, but God enabled Paul, and I think he does believers in similar circumstances, if they have the right perspective and are relying on the Spirit, for sure, to... Um, you know, it's not like they're excited that they're being persecuted. It's not like, you know, I, I hope I have some more. Um, but I think God's giving them a grace in that moment and in that circumstance to be able to, with joy, to say, you know, listen, I'm in here. He's saying this. I'm in here because um, I'm ministering to you guys. 
I'm imparting my life to you guys. I'm, I'm teaching you about Jesus, and I'm trying to, to you know, because he hasn't met them face to face. All this stuff has been done uh, through either writing or through his servant Epaphras, uh, who was a Colossian himself. And, um, and so the gospel got back to them through Epaphras. But, you know, certainly Paul has poured his life into Epaphras and, and feels responsible for this church. And he's just letting them know that he's rejoicing in his suffering. Um, now, what we need to realize is that suffering is just a part of following Jesus. Um, again, you don't have to be a missionary for this to happen. Um, you know, you could be uh, looked passed over uh, on a job promotion because someone knows you're a believer and they're not, and they don't want somebody in that position that's a believer. I mean, things go on like that, and, and yeah, that's not getting beat up or thrown into prison, but it is a level of you know mistreatment because of your association with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus says uh, here in um, John chapter 15. Verse 18, he says, If the world hates you, um, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, uh, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not, they do not know him who sent me. You see that? It's about it, it's like guilt by association, right? It's it's when someone is persecuted for their faith, it's because of Jesus. Um, it's because of our union with him. It's because uh, it, it, it just goes with the territory. And Jesus is just reminding us that we should not be surprised about these things when they happen. Paul's attitude there was this. He's, he's basically thinking this. Jesus took the blows meant for me on the cross. I'll take the blows meant for him after that. That's really his mentality. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a target. That's just the way it is because believers who are living for the Lord will take their lumps uh, in this life, in this world. Okay? Um, Paul endured his sufferings for the sake of the church here, and he was willing to suffer on behalf of the church because he saw himself as the church's servant. Okay? He saw himself as a servant of the church, and, and if we're serving the Lord, uh, in whatever capacity, we're serving his people as well. Okay? And so I, I just want us to get, get this big idea here, this first big idea that suffering should be expected. It should be expected. In fact, if you look in um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, uh, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That is a pretty plain statement there. I don't think there's any way to argue out of that. He says, if you desire to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. Okay? 
mean, that's, this is very sobering, uh, but it's true. And so the thing is, is, um, uh, you know, when we were raising our kids and you, they're about to enter in to do something new, you try to prepare them. You kind of say, okay, well, things are going to be kind of like this, and you might want to, you know, just to be aware. You try to get them to be aware. And maybe even in certain situations, kind of decide ahead of time how they're going to respond to certain social situations. Um, and so you're just trying to prepare them. Well, um, our Lord, and then Paul, is trying to prepare us uh, as children of God, to we need to realize this and to expect it. Okay? We expect it. Now, um, you're going to be hearing me using the phrase this year a lot. And this, this is the phrase. Uh, radical dependence. Radical dependence on God. And by radical, I mean total. Um, totally committed to relying on the Lord Jesus Christ for the power to live the lives He's called us to live. And all the message series that we'll do, there'll be touch points for this theme of just radical dependence. Okay? And I really believe that's what, uh, radical should be the norm. <laughs> Total dependence on Jesus should be the norm. Now, if we're honest, it doesn't happen all the time. We rely on ourselves a lot. Uh, we, you know, but in, in, that's why we need the cross. But I'm, but I'm just saying, I just feel like uh, we need, I need, we all need to grow in really radically depending on the Lord Jesus for what He calls us to do. Okay? And in this case, in this uh, context, suffering. Um, and Paul reminds us uh, of his radical dependence and how God will take you into situations that are difficult and maybe even suffering situations for this purpose of radical dependence, okay? Let's take a look here. Oops, sorry, went past it. Um, where did I? Oh, I didn't, I didn't print this up here. Um, all right, so bonus verse, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 9 says this. So this is the Apostle Paul. He says in verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, For we... Uh, do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. So again, going through some suffering. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. I mean, it was so bad. He's like, you know, we're, this, is, this is probably it. But then it says in verse 9, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. So. Likely they were awaiting some kind of a decision from a court. Okay. But that was to make us, now listen, you get these words, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Uh, and that was his perspective. He's like, hey, um, God. Uh, it brought the situation to our lives. They're they're facing, you know, they're probably in prison here, and they're waiting a decision. Could be the sentence of death. But he said, uh, and you can't get around these words that that was to make us rely on God. And I just want to say, whatever difficulty you're going through, maybe it's not even a suffering issue, but just a really hard spot that you are in. 
don't waste it. Wasting it would mean uh, to not push in to the Lord and rely more on Him than maybe you ever have. And to fellowship with Him in those times and crying out to Him and telling Him what's going on in your heart and your mind and, and asking for deliverance or whatever it might be, whatever you need Him to do, right? And um, because it's in those times when we radically depend upon Him in those situations that our relationship really grows deeper with Jesus. Okay? Rarely do we really grow when things are going wonderfully. Um, yes, it does happen, but God takes us deep into our difficulties if we will but rely upon Him to grow us. That we might rely on Him, it says, not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So he was, you know, putting that God who raises the dead because they were facing death. He's like, well, whether he delivers us or whether he doesn't, we're good. No, we're good. So we should expect suffering, uh, and then we should also realize that we should use that as an opportunity to radically depend on Jesus. Okay? Now, the second thing here of being a faithful follower involves struggling. So the first thing was suffering and now struggling. Boy, it's just not going in the right direction, is it? <laughs> it's not going in a very positive direction from a human standpoint, but you'll have to wait to see what he's struggling about. Okay? Um, and it's not a negative struggling. He, it's, it's a hard working. It's a striving. Some of the versions say striving. Okay? Uh, but let me remind you of this part of the passage. Uh, in Colossians 1, 25-29. Here's what it says. It says, Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. So he knows he's on a commission from God to make the gospel of Jesus more fully known. Right? He really desired to preach where the word had not been heard. Um, that's what his desire was, to go to places where there weren't churches that the gospel hadn't been heard. Verse 26, um, to, so, so he said, To make the word of God more fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of the mystery, which is Christ in you. When you say that's a mystery, that Christ lives in us through the Holy Spirit? It's true, but we don't know how that works, but we know it. And we know it when we're empowered by him. We really do. Now listen, here we get to uh, Verse 28, this is where 28, 29 is where we really get to what he's talking about, the struggling. He says, him we proclaim, we're proclaiming the gospel of Christ, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. By the way, I think he's saying everyone here because he's saying Gentiles and everybody. He's saying, he's just making it real clear. We're warning everyone and we're teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Verse 29, for this I toiled, there's the word toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So you've got toil and struggling. So what is he working hard at? What is he struggling for? It's about the verse 28, the verse right before him, to proclaim and to present, okay? This is really the mission of any church, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ 
and to present the believers mature to Christ in the end. To proclaim and present. And it's not just the church's job to do that, but it's the member's job. That's our job. We are to proclaim also the gospel, and we are to you know, own our own spiritual growth to present ourselves to the Lord as mature followers. Well, I don't know about you, but um, spiritual growth does not happen by osmosis. Okay, I, I can't sleep on a Christian book on prayer and wake up a prayer warrior. Okay, um, uh, you know, I, I just I, we might like it to be that way, but it just doesn't happen that way. It actually involves effort. Okay, and and, and so gospel work that we're called to individually and corporately as a body, as a church body, um, we're, we're called to proclaim. And proclaiming Christ takes effort. It takes intentionality. Okay? Rarely have I ever shared the gospel with someone that actually asked for it. I have had that happen. Uh, but, but, you know, and I'm not saying you beat people up with it either. But I'm just saying you have to kind of be intentional with conversation. Not a bait and switch, not looking to get something like, you know, if, if they don't go for Jesus, I'm bailing on this relationship. We're not talking about doing that. That's disingenuous. But we are talking about, you know, if you're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus in your life with those around you, you have to be intentional. And it's going to be hard work. You know, and, and I think, first off, a good place to start is to pray. You need to talk to God about the people you want to reach before you talk to those people about God. I think I stole that from Rick Warren. That sounds like a Rick Warren. Okay? Uh, but, but it's a good turn of the phrase because it's true. You know, you talk to God about the people you want to reach before you talk to those people about God. Pray. Right? Because unless the Spirit is working, nothing's going to be received. Right? And so I'm trying to connect this with struggling. Um, spiritual progress and growth in our lives in following our, our um, commission to proclaim and present is going to take great pains and effort on your part. It's going to put you in uncomfortable positions. It's going to, um, you're just going to have to get used to getting out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to get, I mean, make that the norm. Getting out of your comfort zone. Okay? Um, but he is telling us here, he's struggling. He's talking about gospel work, kingdom work, involves a lot of effort. All right? Now, he's not saying, you know, okay, um, it's all you, because doesn't he, doesn't he tell us here, right, in verse 29, struggling with all his energy, the Lord's energy, all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And this is why you know, we really need to be uh, working ourselves towards spiritual health so that we can be spiritually healthy, so we can actually be effective. Um, you know, we've got carpenters here, we've got people that do work. You know, the worst thing you want is a dull saw, right? You're going to be working a lot harder uh, trying to saw a piece of wood or cut a tree down with a dull saw. You need it sharp, right? So it can be effective. The same thing is true of our lives spiritually. We need to sharpen the saw spiritually. We've got to 
be engaging in the things in our lives that are going to grow us deeper with the Lord so that when we are on mission, it is effective. Okay? Um, I'll, I'll pass along one thing. I, let me see if I can. I hope I can find it. Okay, this, this is not planned. We're, we're, we're off script right now. Okay? We might be here a while. Sorry. I've um, been thinking a lot about uh, growing myself spiritually and helping other people grow. We're talking about, you know, part of proclaiming and presenting, presenting people mature in Christ, right, at the day of the Lord. Um, and I picked up, uh, actually my wife tuned me into this book. Um, it's about, it's about um, uh, scriptural engagement, engaging the scripture, uh, which is more than reading involves reading the Scripture, but if you just read your Bible and you don't engage what's there, nothing's going to happen spiritually in your life, really. I mean, you'll get information. So what we're really talking about is reflecting, reflecting on what you're reading. How does it interface with your life? All right, so let me just read this little thing here. It says, according to researchers researchers and writers Greg Hawkins and Callie Parkinson, spending time reflecting on Scripture has the highest impact on personal spiritual practice. Hawkins and Parkinson cataloged the spiritual lives of 250,000 people and at 1,000 different churches and discovered that the primary catalyst for developing mature Christians is not Bible reading alone. It's Bible reading coupled with reflection. That made sense to me. Right? And so... You know, a lot of time at the beginning of the year, a lot of people take a run at some kind of a reading plan or something, and that's great. I've been making my way through Luke, um, and, and so that's good. But if I, if I just read through and set my Bible down, and nothing happens between my spirit and that text, then I'm not going to grow. And it's not going to have an impact on my practice of my life, which is important, right? Um, and so I just encourage you, um, and I'm going to have a little article on our next newsletter about reflection, some, some ideas, ways to be reflecting on the Word, because we, we need to, I need to grow in that, okay? Uh, I think we all need to be maybe challenged, not just to read the Scriptures, but, but to take those bite sizes that you do read and try to internalize that, okay? uh, which would translate into either a belief that I would be solidified in my life or an action to take or a lie to dislodge from my heart or whatever, whatever the thing might be, okay? So, because um, this is not a bunny trail. We're, we're talking about presenting. Uh, Paul said his, his, his struggled and he toiled, he worked hard to present uh, believers mature, mature in Christ at the Lord's coming. Right? And we need to own that too. That's the job of the church. That's the job of the people in the church. Right? Pursue your own growth. And then I believe the scripture calls us all to be pursuant of a life that would we could pour our lives into someone else's life. To make disciples who make disciples. Okay? That last part is the hardest part. You talk to anybody that studied discipleship and disciple-making, and I've read a lot of authors over the years, and they will tell you 
okay, if you and I get together and we do a Bible study and, and you learn some things, um, that's one leg of the race. But what if that other person that you're working with and, and growing a relationship to and helping them grow doesn't then pass that on? It stops with them. That's the hardest part, to get it to go the next level. Making disciples who make disciples. I'm on a mission to get that to be happening here. Okay? I just want you to know that. It's going to take a while. All things start small and they grow, like mustard seeds, I think, if we're doing it <laughs> right, maybe. Um, but so you could be praying for this. Um, because, um, all right, well, now I'm off script again. Okay, I'm sorry. But these are a lot of things I've been talking about, and we probably won't get through this whole message today, and that's okay. Um, but, but anyway, uh, everybody, everybody in the church world is trying to figure out how to grow their church during COVID. There's no books written on it because it's never been done. Okay, I'm, I'm literally like, well, what do you do? Now, the mega churches have a lot of programs, and those continue to go on, and those are fine. I'm not against that. But, but uh, smaller and mid-sized churches are just like, you know, nobody really coming out of the walls to come to us because they really don't want to go out. You know? Um, and so it's, it just got me thinking about, well, what's the lowest common denominator to grow a church? And that's discipleship. That's smaller groups of people committed to multiplying their lives. Okay? And I think that's eventually needs to be more where we need to be. Because then it doesn't matter what happens with, uh, with what church looks like in terms of a gathering. Okay? I'm not saying you jettison the gathering. I'm not saying that. Okay? But I'm just saying, you don't know. You don't know. If, I mean... Put yourself in a country where you can't gather like that. How are you going to grow the church? Smaller groups. Committed, discipling, accountable, all that. Okay? Anyway, back to the program. Okay. But it's about presenting mature people. This is what it's about. Okay? All right. Present everyone who complete in Christ. And, you know, again, that. Part of that is just your own ownership too of your own spiritual growth. This verse here in Ephesians 4, 13 says, um, Paul is talking about that God gave, you know, before this, he talks about God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of service, right? For the building up of the body. And then he gets to this verse. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's maturity. He's like, he's really just pushing in there to say, listen, God's given the church a lot of gifts, uh, whatever these gifts are, and these are some of the equipping gifts he lists here. But the whole purpose, right, is for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, right, to go and make disciples who make disciples. Okay? That's it. All right, let's move on here. Last part here. Being a faithful follower involves strengthening. So we've had suffering, struggling, strengthening, right? Suffering, you should expect it. God's going to help you endure it. You radically rely on Him, right? And struggling, struggling, toiling, working for, proclaiming Christ, and presenting every man, woman, and child mature in Christ. And now we have strengthening. This is where Paul gets personal here. Within, uh, in the letter, he switches over and he says, listen to the words, because he says, for I want you 
I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Get very personal. Right? Chapter 2, verse 1. I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. And for those that lay to see him, for all who have not seen face to face, this is how we know he didn't, he never met them. What's he, what does what he uh, has a struggle for here? That their number, verse 2, that their hearts might be encouraged. Right? So we need to take it upon ourselves to help strengthen the body of Christ, strengthen one another by encouragement. We all need a nice shot of encouragement probably every day, <laughs> okay? Affirming our love for one another, affirming our commitment to one another, uh, and, and just to be you know, encouraged you want there. He says, he said, their hearts may be that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the fullness of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ. In other words, I want to encourage you so that you experience the fullness of Christ and, and become mature. And then he goes on down and he says, uh, of course, he mentions, he says, I say this in verse 4 that in order no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Verse 5, though, for though I am absent in the body, Yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Jesus Christ. We, we said this on, uh, on my small groups, uh, the small group that I'm a part of on Tuesday nights. We said this on our call. We need each other to stand firm. Okay? We, you know, it's, it's when there are less gatherings because of what's going on, we need to stay in touch somehow, okay? Uh, on a regular basis to help each other stand firmer in the faith and to keep following Jesus and to do His will in our lives. So just think of this strengthening as a strengthening of the body. How does the body get strengthened? Through you encouraging uh, your fellow believer in this church uh, and, and to, to stay in contact, right, and help each other to faithfully follow the Lord, urging them to grow on, to go on and grow in their walk. And the hope is then that on the, as we just continue to work hard with the strength that God supplies us to proclaim and present as we do that, we keep at it, we keep at it, we just be faithful with it, that we would be able to hear the Lord's voice as it says in Matthew 25, 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. That's the parable of the talents. That's what we're, that's what we're doing it for. We're doing it for the Lord. We should be doing it for each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that thankful for this reminder that Paul writes down for us. We're down for the Colossians, but now we're gleaning from it. Uh, that we will suffer if we we desire to be godly. We will suffer for your name because of our associations. Because because the world hates you. And Lord, help us to struggle and work hard at the main thing. Help us, God, individually. And as a church, to be a church that makes disciples who make disciples. Multiplying our lives. Leaving a godly legacy behind. Passing on godly lives by your grace. 
ask it in Jesus' name.